Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Benefits by Savoy. My name is Chris Vanderwald. I'm the Senior Vice President of Employer Services and Compliance here at Savoy. With me today is Dan McMonagall, our large group strategist. Dan, thanks for coming today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. So before we dive into your work life, tell me a little bit about Dan. Who are you? What do you do outside of work? What, what keeps you busy? Well, anymore, what really keeps me busy is I am a father of three, my oldest being three and a half, my youngest being two months. So, you know, them three certainly keep us busy. But uh, but outside of that, I like to play basketball. I try to at least play one pickup game or, or, you know, one night a week. And in addition to that, I am taking on the challenge of actually running a marathon in November. Nice. Which so, one? So the Philadelphia Marathon. And, you know, so I'm just training for that as, as much as I can at, you know, five o'clock in the morning when I, I can get the time. And that's pretty much all I have, uh, have a lot of time for. So three kids under three and a half. By my math, that means that you haven't had a good night's sleep in at least three and a half years. Yep. And, and you're right. getting up at five in the morning and going running to make sure that you're extra tired through the day. You are impressive. <laughs> I, running at five in the morning is a, is a tough thing to do. So what does a large group strategist do here at Savoy Associates? So this is a, a relatively new, new role for me. And what we're able to do is strip down the financial component of a, of a renewal. And we can, through that, figure out whether or not that renewal is too high or rarely too low, that doesn't happen, <laughs> or right on the money. It's really too high or right on the money or, and really just, provide our brokers with the necessary tools they need as far as reasons for, you know, especially the the higher than normal renewals. And so this is the lost art of field underwriting. Yeah, essentially. This is, this is what everybody used to do on nearly every group mm -hmm. for years until insurance reform came along. Exactly. And, you know, these insurance carriers nowadays, they do a really good job of not hiding the reasons, but making it difficult to understand and you know that's where we come in because we have you know a lot of experience with all of the carriers in our marketplace where you know we know the differences between the the, the two as we're looking at the differences between the insurance carriers as you know we're looking at these renewals you know five a month ten a month whatever it may be you know day in and day out we're looking at these things and so it's 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 definitely an interesting job and you know one that uh that i actually enjoy doing so Tee it up for the perfect next question. What's your favorite part of the job? Well, when we're able to drill in and drill down and get those, you know, extra, whether it's a point, whether it's five points, get the little bit extra that the carrier doesn't want to provide in a reason-based way. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of times these carriers will just give you these renewals and they say, okay, well, we can come down X percentage. And when we look at the information that is available, and say, well, you know, it makes sense for it to be at this point or at, you know, at this X percentage. And so when we're able to kind of force the needle to come down, whether it be an extra two, two points even, which is, you know, huge over the, the course of a, of, a, of a year, that's the sort of thing that, you know, really makes the job fun and, and what I like to do the most. So this next question is almost just a worn out trope in this business, but for you, the answer is completely different. How did you get into the insurance industry? 
So I actually went to school for insurance, which is not something uh, very common, although I believe it's becoming a little bit more and more common as as I get further away from my graduation date. But I graduated from Temple in the risk management insurance program. And that was not the major that I first started out in. Actually, one of the teachers there who's responsible for building that program was, you know, came to me one day after I was in the uh, risk management intro class and you know, really made a great case as far as why it would be a good move for me to move over to the insurance industry. And it simply came down to, hey, at this point, the ACA was not a thing. It was being talked about, but it wasn't wasn't passed or anything yet. But for me, it really came down to as simple as a decision as, hey, I'm going to be able to have a job after college <laughs> if I make this move. So, you know, went into it and haven't looked back and, and have been enjoying life ever since. We have a couple of people here at Savoy that went through that risk management and insurance program at Temple, and you guys are all superstars. So it's it's important when you I know see, they are. It's <laughs> impressive when you see people come through that came here on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> it's a nice thing. So what keeps you motivated in your role? I think the challenge or I, I look at when we are negotiating those renewals, I really look at them as a competition. You know, I mean, growing up, as most people did, you know, they were involved in possibly sports or whatever their version of competition was. And as you get older, you kind of realize that sometimes that goes away in that you're not playing games, you're not playing your sport anymore, so to speak. So it comes down to me is, is just having that competition, that push and pull and being able to more often than not try to come out on top. So. You came into the business on purpose. You mentioned pre-ACA, but you're still still a young man. But you've got some time under your belt. You've done you've done this a few times. You've been through some renewals. What experience do you have for people just starting out in the industry? People going into their first fourth quarter. Well, eat a good breakfast. You're gonna, you're gonna be working some long hours, so get get your nutrition in. But the one thing that I try to tell people is you know especially when you get into the fourth quarter there is a million things to do and they all need to be done right now and in reality that's just simply not going to happen so the corny kind of line that i always like to use is you have to eat the elephant and how do you eat an elephant and it's just one bite at a time and just get through the first task then the second task and then the third task the next thing you know you're going to look up and you're going to have done your work for the day and you're going to be able to close that computer and sleep and not have to worry about the things that you haven't done. If you try to take it all on at once, you're just going to spin yourself around in circles. You're never going to actually finish or complete any of it. So just just take it one step at a time and and really just focus on the task at hand instead of trying to multitask. I do believe that multitasking is a myth. It is impossible because ultimately you do not give your full attention to one or more of the items that you're trying to multitask for. I am commonly heard saying that multitasking is doing multiple things at the same time poorly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. You're, you're never going to do it well if you're not focused on it. Mm -hmm. I don't. I can't multitask either. I do one thing and I knock it out. That's all I can handle. <laughs> yeah, there's enough in this business to, to try to do more than one thing at a time. Just do the one thing. And I, I like what you said, eat the elephant one bite at a time. I think it might be Ben Franklin don't don't kill me if I'm wrong on this, anybody listening, but the quote is just begun, it's halfway done. Mm -hmm. So just get started and you're almost there. It's absolutely true. 
So that was for new people. Like the, take a bite out of the elephant for, for everybody. What's the one big thing you think people should be keeping an eye on for the next year, year and a half? So this one, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. It's a little bit of a tough one because there's, there's a lot of different things. But I think as we get closer and closer, and, and we've kind of already started this a little bit on the prescription side of things, getting closer to getting more transparent as an industry. I think that is one of the biggest drawbacks and one of the reasons why, you know, the insur these insurance carriers are always looked at as the, you know, the bad guys, so to speak, is because there's very little transparency there and there's hardly any transparency on the uh, the hospital sides of things. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard that you go in, you get a Tylenol and it costs you $300 and, or, and you just don't understand why. And there may be some justification to that as it's more than just the Tylenol. You have, you are getting triage, you are, there are people's work hours that go into that. However, you don't know why. It's hard to tell before you go in there what you're going to be looking at when mm -hmm. you come out the other end. Exactly right. So, you know, it's just, uh, I think we are going to start seeing more of a shift towards just overall transparency in this industry. Yeah, I think the No Surprise Act implementation and enforcement, we're going to see a bit of that. And there's huge amounts of data out there. It's hard for people like us to go through. You need specialized software to be able to do that. But those mm -hmm. tools are coming out. I think that's a, a big thing to focus on. It's going to radically shift the industry. I think you're right. And final question for the day. If you could wave a magic wand and change any one thing about our industry, what would it be? I think the idea of a network is a bit outdated. And I'm not necessarily saying, hey, reference-based pricing is saying this is not a, a, a plug for reference-based pricing. I just think that as we get closer to you know our, our, our previous point here of transparency, the idea of contracting with specific carriers and contracting as, as the, from the provider standpoint with different carriers and having different costs at different, you know, it just fundamentally doesn't make much sense to me. And yeah, I hear you say that. I, I buy all sorts of electronics. Some I buy from Amazon, some I buy from Walmart, some I get from Target. We're not affiliated with any of those companies. However, I'm not necessarily beholden to only buy my products from Amazon. And so I don't have to rely on just Amazon to get me the TV and the iPod and the DVD player. I can go and, and price shop because I have that information. And with what you're saying, the transparency information, the consumer will be empowered to do more of that as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that it should just be part of doing business on the provider level, the hospital level, whatever, which level you want to talk about is you see people, you see these people that have, that have uh, medical issues and you know, who their insurance company is really shouldn't factor into it. It's a great piece of insight. So Dan, I want to thank you again for coming in today. I know that the people who work with you already out of the Philadelphia office are big fans and you're there for your brokers and we're glad to have you and I'm, I'm happy to work with you. Thank you for coming in today. Well, Chris, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.